0: Well, it's great to see everybody in the story that we're going to explore today. We're going to meet a man who was out of his mind. But by the time we get to the end of the story, he's going to be in his right mind. And that really is good news for all of us. Now, in this story, the man is out of his mind because he's demon-possessed. Actually, he's demons-possessed. And although... uh, You may not be demon possessed, you're still demon tempted. We are still in a spiritual warfare. And in some way, demons are actually probably impacting your thought life, your family's life, and maybe your witness for Christ. And I know if you're here and you're kind of skeptical about the whole reality of demons, I I get it. I understand that. I went to Vanderbilt University, and there at Vanderbilt, we had kind of a scientific view of everything. If you can't see it, touch it, and prove it, then it's probably not true. So I get the whole skepticism issue, but you might have noticed with me that we live in kind of a bizarre world. Headlines depress. Good men and women unexplainably get derailed. Families find themselves, instead of loving one another, clashing with one another. And people often end up doing the very things that they don't want to do. What's happening here? It's like there's a virus in the system that we just can't get rid of. And sometimes we all do things and say things that we wish we could take back. And you think, I wish I could take that back. I must have been out of my mind. Think about it. In a rage, a teenager punches a hole in the wall. A husband smacks his wife across the room. A recovering alcoholic starts drinking again after a decade of sobriety. A sweet, faithful wife suddenly cheats on her husband and wrecks the family. A trustworthy, businessman unexplainably starts to lie on his expense report, cheat on his taxes, and ends up getting fired from his job. A lifelong friend slanders his buddy, stabbing his buddy in the back. And I'm talking about Christians doing these kinds of things. What is going on? I want you to think about a time in your life when you did something that was uncharacteristic, When you said something, did something that you wish you could take back, and you think, I must have been out of my mind. Can you think about a time like that? Identify it. Lock in on it. And my question is this. Could that have been demonically influenced? Now, let me hurry to say, Christians cannot be demon-possessed. Wherever the Holy Spirit lives, an unholy spirit cannot. And a few years ago, the elders of our church had to wrestle with this question, can demons be in Christians? And so we prepared a paper on that whole topic, can a Christian be demon-possessed? The answer is no, and if you want to pick up a paper on that topic, you could pick it up in the foyer on the way out of service today. So although we can't be demon-possessed, we can be demon-tempted and demon-oppressed and demon-influenced. When it comes to spiritual warfare, the battle is in the mind. Uh, we are told in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And that means the demons are trying to get us to disobey Christ. Have you ever had a thought that was so outlandish, it was so outrageous, it was so out of the norm that you wondered, where did that come from? How could I be thinking something like that? It might be that that thought... Was demonic. In a famous quote, C.S. Lewis talks about the dangers that we have on this issue. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils or demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence, and the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, the demons themselves, are equally pleased by both errors, and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Two mistakes we can make the materialist who underemphasizes, because I can't prove it, I can't taste it, I can't touch it, I can't see it scientifically, or the magician who overemphasizes it. I mean, because there are some people out there that just blame every conflict, every problem, every sin on the devil. The devil made me do it. And others completely ignore the spiritual realm. And the fact that the Bible tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and cosmic forces of darkness. So which tendency is yours? To overemphasize it or to underemphasize it? And I'm guessing the vast majority of us in this room, you're underemphasizing the impact that demons are having in your life, in your family, in your future. Because there's such interest in this particular topic, we're going to make available a sermon series that uh, Pastor Chad and I did 10 years ago called Armored from Ephesians chapter 6. We spent like a whole five or six week series on this topic, and we're going to make those available starting tomorrow on our app and on our Facebook page so you guys can dive into this topic a little bit more this coming week. But today we're going to look at Luke chapter 8 starting with verse 26. Open your Bibles there, fire up your apps there. We're in this series called Search and Rescue. We're exploring lessons from the ministry, the life of Jesus, found in a book that was written by a physician named Luke. Dr. Luke wrote this. And so we're going to look at a story from the life of Christ. Last week, we looked at how Jesus calmed a storm on the Sea of Galilee and saw that he has power over dangers. And this week, we're going to see that he has power over demons. Verse 26, then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. So let's quickly stop here. This area is actually on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus did most of his ministry on the western side. This eastern side is Gentile territory. That that was a culture that was influenced by the Greek uh, conqueror Alexander the Great. Pagan Greek cities were there. Theaters were there where lewd plays were performed. Temples were there. Sacrifices offered to pagan gods. And colosseums where gladiatorial contests took place. This is a pagan, wicked, uh, sex-saturated society. It's not a place where a good little Jewish boy like Jesus should go. And this is the first time Jesus has left Jewish territory to go into Gentile territory. He shockingly heads over there. He visits what most religious Jews would see as unclean Gentiles amidst the tombs, which are also unclean, hanging around herds of pigs, which are also unclean. Now, Jesus knows what's going to happen next. Look at verse 27. When Jesus had stopped had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes and he had lived in a house out among the tombs. I love this because Jesus is caring for people that most people don't want to care for. I just wonder, are there limits to people that we're going to care for? People that smell bad. Maybe it's a certain person of a certain political party you don't want to have anything to do with. Maybe it's someone on the offender registry list. Maybe it's somebody that was dishonorably discharged. You got to think, Jesus left the riches of heaven to come to this planet to reach people that most of us want to pass by. Verse 28 When Jesus, when, when he saw Jesus, when the man saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, this is the demon speaking from the man. What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. It's interesting, last week's message, the question was, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey? The demon knows who this is. This is Jesus Christ, the son of God. They recognize Jesus. They already know about the authority and the superiority of Jesus. You say, well, how did they know that? They just met him. These, remember, are fallen angels who once served Jesus and worshiped Jesus, but now they've fallen. And so we shouldn't be surprised they recognize who he is. They know all about Jesus, and they recognize their future judgment is sure. Verse 29, For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds, And be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And there's one spokesperson for all of these demons inhabiting this guy. Legion, he says, for many demons had entered him. Now, legion is a Roman military term. There's about 6,000 Roman soldiers in a legion. This doesn't necessarily mean there are 6,000 demons in this man. It simply means there's a vast, vast number of demons in this man. Verse 31, and they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now, the Greek word for abyss is abusos. Kind of sounds like applesauce. Abusos. You see the word abusos? seven times in the very last book of the Bible when the Bible is talking about the eternal destination of the devil and demons. There, this word is translated bottomless pit. And so these demons know that their destiny is ultimately to be damned. But they're saying, not yet, please, not yet. Verse 32, now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he, Jesus, gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. So 2,000 pigs die so one man can live. Now, in my study, getting ready for this message, I found out that there are animal rights activists that are actually ticked at Jesus and ticked at Christianity because of this story. And let me hurry to say, the Bible says, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10, that we ought to be kind to animals, we ought to take care of our animals. So the Bible is like pro-animals. I mean, God made them, after all, right? But here's what this is saying. One human life is more valuable than a herd of pigs. And some people are mad because they're, hey, you're messing with the livelihood of those pig farmers. You're taking their business away. You know what those pig farmers needed to learn? One human life is more valuable than a pack of animals. Amen. Now, where did the demons go? Well, the Bible doesn't say. So guess what? I'm not going to say. But it's safe to say they didn't go back into the man that Jesus had healed. Verse 34, when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told him in the city, and in the country. Then the people went out to see what happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. So this guy is like, he's alert. He's bright eyed. He's clear. He's sitting there with Jesus. But the people are afraid. You would think they would celebrate. Why were they afraid? I don't know. In my study, there were some theories. Seems like Um, maybe they loved their pigs more than they loved this man? Were were they concerned that Jesus might destroy more pigs and put the pig farmers out of business? (laughs) Was this too stunning a miracle? They just didn't have a mental file folder for it? Who knows? Verse 36, And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and he returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. I want to go with you, Jesus. But Jesus sent him away saying, return your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. So this guy becomes basically the first missionary to that region in the area. Now, the title for this series is Search and rescue. So Jesus is searching and rescuing for people, you ready for this, who are out of their minds. And again, that's been me and that's been you. So this is good news for us, right? This is good news for this man who was way, 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 way out of his mind because he was demon-possessed. And it's good news for us even though we may not be demon-possessed, but we're demon-influenced, demon-tempted, demon oppressed. And every now and then, we find ourselves out of our minds. You say, well, what do you you mean out of mind? I don't don't understand what you're talking about. Well, maybe you started by taking a deduction you shouldn't have taken on your taxes, and that one led to another and another and another. And now you find yourself in a web of deceit, maybe in trouble with the IRS, and maybe in trouble at work because you've been turning in expensive reports that you shouldn't be, and you may be about to lose your job. I'm going to tell you something, that's out-of-your-mind behavior. Or you got a little too close emotionally to someone you're not married to. Uh, Nothing physical has happened, but deep down inside, you know something happened in your heart, and you're just one or two decisions away from ending up in a bedroom or a back room with that other person. That's out-of-your-mind behavior. Or maybe you promised, I'm not going to look at porn ever again. But now you've been looking and looking, and you're trying to talk your spouse into looking at porn with you. It's out-of-your-mind behavior. See, demons use the world and the flesh to steal your love for Jesus, to kill your hopes and dreams, to put you at odds with other members of your family, and to destroy your life, to destroy your family, and destroy your witness. We need to recognize that we're in a spiritual warfare. And some of us in the room, we're victims of the enemy because we've been unaware. I want to tell you something. On our own, apart from God, we are not in our right minds. We'll do nutty, outrageous, crazy, stupid, ignorant, foolish, dumb things. We can't bring ourselves under control. And just like the guy in the story, we need an encounter with Jesus. Three things about the searching of Jesus. When Jesus searches, I want you to notice the distance is not too great. Because if you think about all of the out of your right mind stuff that you've done, you might think that you're just too far away. You might think you're too different. But when Jesus is searching, the distance between you and him is just not too great. Verse 26 again. They sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. This guy's on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He's not even a Jew. He's a Gentile. He's an outsider. He's a pagan. And Jesus has said before, my primary focus in ministry is to go to the Jews, is to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But Jesus goes the distance. And here we see that Jesus came to reach the very people that a lot of other people don't want to have anything to do with. That guy's unworthy. That guy's unclean. That guy's unfit to be saved. He disregards religious decorum. He disregards any vestige of pride and self-righteousness that would cause most upstanding Jews to keep their distance from a man like that, and he goes right after him. And no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've seen and experienced, you're not too far away from Jesus because he will go the distance for you. When Jesus searches, the distance is not too great. When Jesus searches, the difficulty is not too hard. I want you to look at the difficulty here for this guy. Verse 27, he says he has demons, he has no clothes, he has no house, he's among the tombs. He's living in a graveyard. And in verse 29, it says the man experienced seizures and he's kept under guard. He would break free from the bonds, the chains that they used to try to restrain him and that he would be driven into the desert. I mean, come on. This is a difficult case. But the one who can calm a raging sea can also cast out a ravenous spirit. Jesus is creator God. Jesus spoke And the worlds came into existence. Nothing is too hard for God. And so I hope you're thinking, if Jesus can rescue him, then Jesus can rescue me. If Jesus can change his life, then Jesus can change my life. If Jesus can transform a you're out of your mind man into an in his right mind man, then Jesus can transform me. When Jesus searches, the difficulty is not too hard. And when Jesus searches, the demons are not too strong. Again, these demons know who Jesus is. They recognize his superiority. They recognize his authority. Verse 31, and they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. They know that their time is almost up. They know they're about to be doomed. A great reformed church leader, Martin Luther, wrote a hymn that churches all around the world sing about this very thing. A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark, that's another word for fortress, is never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. In other words, God is our helper and he prevails in the midst of all of the problems that we face. For still our ancient foe, that's the devil and his demons, doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. I'm no equal for him. You're no equal for him. That's why we got to get connected to Jesus because Jesus is the only one that can defeat him. Next verse, and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fail Fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. And one little word shall fell him. This is why we should cry out, Jesus. Jesus help me save me i need jesus even a legion of demons is no match for the lord it says in first john chapter 3 that jesus came to this earth for the for this reason the son of man appeared to destroy the works of the devil in your life in my life in this man's life And I want you to notice, Jesus doesn't use some long, drawn-out, formulaic, magical prayer in order to cast the demons out. When we pray spiritual warfare prayers, we should just very simply, in Jesus' name, command the spirits, be gone, get out in the name of Jesus. And then trust that Jesus is going to do what Jesus does, defeat the enemy. A few years ago, based on Scripture about how to overcome the enemy, I developed a spiritual warfare prayer guide that we have available in the foyer for you to pick up today. Just grab it and start working your way through that prayer. After that first service today, a young man came up to me and he said, man, I sometimes have found a spirit of darkness just overwhelming me, and I feel pulled by that spirit to take drugs. I've been free for one month. And I said, you're in the battle of your life. Why don't you go get that prayer, and you use that prayer to help you. We're all in a spiritual warfare. I mean, do you feel attacked? Do you feel tempted? Were you somebody that used to follow Christ, and now your heart is far away? And you're really not interested in the things of God anymore? Do, do, do you think that's you? You have an enemy that is seeking to draw you away from Jesus. Are you going to let that happen? Are you going to become a victim? Or are you going to fight for Jesus in your life? you feel like your family is opposed, your family is oppressed? Are you at odds with your mom or your dad or your son or your daughter? There's an enemy that wants to kill and destroy everything good and godly and holy and eternal in you. That's why you need an encounter with Jesus. When Jesus searches, the distance is not too great, the difficulty is not too hard, and the demons are not too strong. Jesus cares about the last, the least, the lost. He is seeking the very people that everyone else has given up on. He is searching for the unlikely. He is searching for the unloved. He is searching for the discredited and the discarded. He is searching for the helpless and the hopeless. What about me? What about you? Is that who we're going after too? No, that man on the street smells too bad. No, that teenager is selling drugs and vaping. No, she was dishonorably dishonorably discharged. He's an ex-con. No, no, no. Jesus left for those very people. He left heaven for those very people. And maybe you're here today, and you're trying somehow to earn God's favor. You're going to earn your way back into God's favor. But what you need to know today is that you can't do that. That won't work. Let me tell you what, in case you're new to church, let me tell you what church is. Church is for people who have in the past been and are sometimes now out of our minds. Amen? Amen. Haven't we all been knuckleheads, jerks, punks, mess-ups? that's especially true for you bro especially true (laughs) that's what church is it's not for people that can earn their way back into God's favor like okay I'm going to go to church and I'm going to sing a few songs and say a few prayers and maybe God's going to like me and my life's going to go better this week doesn't work that way Jesus came searching for the very ones who are out of their right minds, not so they can earn their way back in God's favor, just because of who he is. And he's here today searching for you. Look at the screen. I love this quote. No one is so bad that he cannot be saved. And no one is so good that he need not be saved. That means you can be saved today. God the Father sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to forgive you. And Jesus, God in the flesh, rose from the grave. He is alive. And through his Holy Spirit, he is here today. He is searching and seeking to rescue people who will admit, yes, I've been out of my right mind. Yes, I'm nuts. I've done crazy things that don't make sense. And he's waiting on you to surrender. And he'll take care of all the demons that have been harassing you. I mean, the prayer on the screen is very simple. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to you, I freely give. I will ever love and trust you in your presence, daily live. I surrender all, I surrender all. All to you, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Would you pray that with me? Let's just do it out loud. Let's do it together. Here we go. All to Jesus, I surrender All to you I freely give. I will ever love and trust you in your presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to you, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. And for some of you here today, that's the first time you've ever prayed something like that where you've just yielded control to Christ. And if that's you, we just encourage you on your welcome to CVC card here, you could check a box. and says, I, today I'm placing my faith in Christ as my Savior. And we're not going to show up and harass you and bug you about that, but we really want to help you grow. You could put in the offering basket when it comes around just a little bit later. Now, as we wrap up today, I want you to see what happens when Jesus rescues us. First, when Jesus rescues, we sit at his feet. That's in verse 35, people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus. If you know Jesus, and if you've received his grace, if he's transformed you, if he's given you a right mind, then you will want to be with him. You're not going to see it as a chore or a duty. You will want to learn from him by reading your Bible, You will want his care and protection. You will want to know him more and more. You will want to linger in his presence. I mean, shouldn't it be the highlight of our day every day to sit at the feet of Jesus? I love an old song. Jesus is all the world to me. My life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day without him. I would fall. When I'm sad to him, I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I'm sad, he makes me glad. He's my friend. That's why I want to sit at his feet. When Jesus rescues, we sit at his feet. When Jesus rescues, we see through his mind. They came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, clothed and in his right mind... In his right mind is one Greek word, and it literally means to save the mind. Your mind can be saved. To save your understanding. It's a calmness. It's a serenity of mind. And when you know that you're loved and accepted and complete in Christ, and when you know that you're justified and forgiven and clothed in His righteousness, and when you know that you've been reconciled to God and you've been justified and you've been adopted into the family of God as a son or a daughter, that's when you're going to be in your right mind. And the problem with some of us, we forget some of that. We get out of our right mind. But you sit at the feet of Jesus and you be reminded of who you are. He's going to put you in your right mind. And that's when you're not going to be punching holes in the walls anymore out of anger. And you're not going to be addicted to road rage when somebody cuts you off on 77. And you're not going to be out of control when you're disciplining your children. You're out of your right mind. Deeds are going to diminish because you'll be living new. Everybody live new every day. This is why we ought to be passionate about inviting people to new life in Christ because we're actually inviting them to be in their right minds. When Jesus rescues, we see through his mind, and when Jesus rescues, we share what he's done. This man wanted to go with Jesus back into Jewish territory, and Jesus says no to him, which was, if you think about it, the man was praying, hey, Jesus, can I go with you? The answer is no. He got a no answer to his prayer request. Some of us get mad at God because he says no. But God's no is always for a better yes. And we see what the yes is for this man. Verse 39, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. So Jesus says, stay here on the Gentile side of the Sea of Galilee and be my witness. And that area had to be one of the most challenging mission fields. Because it was pagan, it was lewd, it was tough. But later we see in Mark chapter 7, as you follow the life of Jesus in that book, he goes back to this region. And this time the crowds weren't afraid of him, this time the crowds followed him. And it very well could be that large crowds came to see Jesus later because of this man's witness. See, when you get delivered, that leads to your deployment. And all it is is saying what Jesus has done. That's what witnessing is. I mean, has Jesus done anything good for you? Tell somebody about it. Just say, hey, let let me tell you about this out of my right mind experience and what Jesus has done to put me in my right mind. You say, well, I don't want to tell dirt on myself. Some of the most powerful stories is when we talk about the weakness that we've experienced, the problems we've experienced, the pain we've had, and we just own up to it. It's okay. We're all in the same boat. And then you just say, Jesus has saved me from that. It's a compelling story that needs to be told. When Jesus rescues, we share what he's done. So look at the screen. We sit at his feet, sit through his mind, share what he's done. Which one of those three did you need to hear most today? All of them. (laughs) That's cheating. I'm going to ask you to pick one. And then pray about it. Right now. Just whisper a prayer. Jesus, help me to sit more and more at your feet. Or help me to see more and more through your mind. Or help me to share more and more what you've done. I want to end this message by leading us through a responsive reading from Ephesians chapter 6. It's it's like one of the famous classic passages on spiritual warfare. It's actually the passage that Pastor Chad and I preached through uh, 10 years ago, and those messages will be online starting tomorrow. So would you stand? And I'll, of course, read the leader part, and you can read the people part. All right? Here we go. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. All right, try that one more time. (laughs) Go back, go back. Can you go back up there in the booth? It It is? Okay. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Good, I feel better now. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole earth. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. And, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray all times in the all and, supplication. and to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, which is what I want to do for you right now. Let's pray. Father in heaven, so many of us in this room misunderstand and diminish the fact that we're in a spiritual warfare. And we've been having it like it's peacetime. God, forgive us for underestimating the enemy. Help us never overestimate the enemy because you've got this. But not to underestimate either. And so I've got brothers and sisters in this room that are facing difficulty, hardship, problems, divisions, strife. They're seeing family members drift away from you Oh, God, please, search for us and find us. Let us be people who want to be found. Like this man, let us come running to you, even if we don't understand who you are and what you're going to do, because we know you're good, and we know you're great, and we know you've got our best interest at your heart. So God, I I pray for that young man I talked to earlier. One month of sobriety. One month free from addictions. One month free from drugs. Keep him strong. And Lord, in this room, there are others that are fighting those same demons. We pray in the name of Jesus, you would defeat the powers of darkness. And we say over this congregation, be gone. In the name of Jesus, be gone. And let us live a life of victory and hope and joy and peace and power to be people in our families and communities in our right minds that being in our right minds, we would attract others not to ourselves and not to a church, but to the Savior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen.